0: welcome back to rewrite motherhood today we have my incredible sister-in-law kate munhall weber on the show she is a native of columbus ohio she has her undergraduate degree in history and secondary education from wheeling jesuit university and her master's in education from the university of notre dame Kate is a mom of three adorable kids, one girl and two boys, my niece and nephews, and she is the coordinator for children and teen ministry at the Newman Center at Ohio State University. As you will soon learn, Kate is unbelievably wise. She's so intuitive. She's so interesting and interested in everybody that she meets. And she is on the path to become an intuitive eating counselor in the process of her training. So I invited her here to talk to, talk about a subject that is always close to my heart and mind, which is how to deal with body image, how to deal with eating, how to do this in a mentally and physically healthy way. Um, and I just cannot wait to talk to her about her journey to intuitive eating. So Kate, welcome on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's
1: an honor (laughs) to be part of your new project. And I'm really excited about rewrite motherhood and all the fruits it will bring to so many people. So thanks, Sophia.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, I have started to post on her Instagram, a lot of kind of body positivity stuff. And the reaction has been really interesting. So many women want to talk about what is body positivity. A lot of us are kind of interested in it, but we're you know, not totally comfortable with it. What is intuitive eating? So I want to do a deep dive with you today and I'm really excited about it. Um, but first, you know, and especially I should add and how it relates to our journey as moms. Um, so I just want to ask you, give us like a high level overview of like, what is intuitive eating to you? What is your eating look like? And like, how do you feel right now being an intuitive eater?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I guess if I were to kind of summarize what intuitive eating is for someone who hasn't heard of it, I would say it's making peace with food and exercise and your body in your life. Um, and it's freeing yourself from dieting, which is a huge part of our culture and our world. And it's also rediscovering some of the joy that food and exercise and your body can bring in your life. So that would kind of be my, um, summary of what it is. And in terms of where I'm at in the journey, um, in the summer of 2019, I stumbled completely by accident through a good old Google search
0: mm-hmm.
1: on intuitive eating, because I was looking up, um, something, I think I searched something like have no self-control while dieting. Like mm-hmm. it was <laughs> ridiculous google search you know like the one you do at eleven thirty 30 at night yeah um and like i suddenly found this podcast called dietitians unplugged and i was like perfect a dietitian who can like finally help me figure out why i like have no self-control with food and um am lazy and blah 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 mm-hmm. uh the dietitians unplugged podcast is actually run by two dietitians who are intuitive eating dietitians and they promote Um, kind of all the concepts that I dove into. And basically after that, I, I listened to every episode. I got the intuitive eating book, got the workbook, and I was 150% in, like I felt understood in a way that I had never been understood before regarding all my eating and body image issues. So um, I've been there for about two years and I can honestly say my story about my body right now and eating right now is incredibly boring. Like even trying to think of what I've eaten today, I, I can, I can barely even remember it um, (laughs) because I just don't really think about it anymore. If you were to ask me two years ago, what I had eaten, I'd be like, yes, here it is written down for you in my food journal. Um, And this, (laughs) and the same thing with um, just how I feel about my body. I feel more and more and more neutral about my body. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I look amazing. I'm the skinniest I've ever been. And then I also don't feel like, oh, you're disgusting. You shouldn't go out to a social event because look how much weight you've gained. So I would say the best way to describe it is that I feel very neutral.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I want to figure out how you got there. So let's start from the beginning about, you know, what was your childhood like? Cause you, I know you haven't always felt this way, neutral and positive about your body. So take us back to kind of where it all started in childhood. Like what are some, what did you think? How did you think about your body as a young girl? What are messages that you heard and uh, where did it all start for you? Yeah. So I hope this
1: story is something that anyone who listens to this can relate to at least some parts of it. Um, but in childhood, according to me, my body was an absolute disaster. Um, So first um, I always like to make this joke. I was born at 11 pounds, nine ounces. Um, and I was my 10th child. And I always say that I started off earlier than most women being embarrassed about my weight. So there you go. Is
0: that true? you were almost 12 pounds.
1: Yeah. I was almost 12 pounds. My sister says I look like a three month, I looked like a three month old amongst the newborns in the nursery. So there you Mm go. Right. Um, and I don't believe my mom had gestational diabetes. So, but who knows, you know, it was a while ago. Um, I'm 34 right now. So I was also super tall. Um, Like one of my memories is that whenever we lined up in height order in grade school, I would just dread it because I was with all the boys in the back. And I was like, Oh, so my body just kind of like stuck out. I was always chubby and I was always super tall.
0: Um, and I'm still, can we just really quick, real quick, I relate to that because I was also the tall girl and there's something that, you know, I was tall and lanky most of my life, but it really does make you, you just in, in a world in it, when your kids being like other kids is one aspect of kind of like peer socialization. And so you really, I always did feel like there was just something a little bit weird and off that I was always self-conscious because I was always, you know, like having to hover and, and, and bend over to like, talk to my friends. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Yes.
1: And also just every movie that you watch as a kid, you know, like the boys always way taller than the girls. So you just know, like this is not going to work out well, you know? Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So anyway, I'm still teased to to this day by my siblings for like how much I loved food. Apparently I would always ask before we went to a party, if food was going to be there, (laughs) (laughs) which I find hilarious. Um, I was also teased for my chubbiness, but anyway. Um, so those were kind of some of the parts of it, but My mom also has, um, she lives in a normal body. She always has. And um, despite that, as I'm sure many of you can relate to, um, she had weekly like weigh-ins with one of her friends and they were like, kind of like diet partners. And I would always come for those and they would, we would go over and hang out for the weigh-ins. Um, and they would talk and have a good time, but weighing in was always part of it. And I distinctly remember that. And she worried about gaining weight as much as like any other mom that I knew. Um, Mm -hmm. She would also like talk a lot about how we need to like get rid of food out of our house, primarily sweets. Um, You know, if we had a party, please take the sweets home. We don't need them. We'll just eat them. That kind of like talk about how this shouldn't be part of our lives. And I do also remember, and I'm sure Cynthia, you (laughs) can relate to this too, watching just countless women in my life ask for like, if we're at a birthday party, can I have a very small slice mm-hmm. of cake, or like they mm-hmm. the brownies in quarters and like take one quarter. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking as a kid, like, why don't they like this food? Like, <laughs> I was so pumped about it. Um, it <laughs> seemed like such a big deal. Like, sweets were always hidden in some like weird part of the person's kitchen or like a secret drawer. Um, and so those were like a lot of my observations as a kid was just that, like, I clearly liked something that was very obviously bad, you know? Right. Um, and the amount of it that I liked seemed to also be a problem. Like, why didn't I just want a quarter of a brownie too? That sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Cause I, that is just such a common, I mean, every baby shower I've been to, especially, especially at home, um, oh, just a teeny tiny little sliver. Oh, I couldn't It's like, just have a piece of cake, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's, so that's how you, so you grew up in that in, environment. And then what do you think, how do you think it made you feel, did you then feel like, oh, well, something must be wrong with me if I actually want all this food.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Something was, I definitely knew something was wrong with me. Um, And I also like idolized Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. um, And they were the, you know, hit people at the time and their bodies were so perfect. And so my main thought as a kid was like, one day I will be exactly like them. You know, like there wasn't a doubt in my mind. I was like, I'll show the world. Like, I don't know how, but I'm going to get there one day.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I will say, despite like. All of those thoughts and the fact that I was overweight and the fact that I was really tall, I had this like idyllic, overly happy childhood, and I had tons of friends. I laughed constantly with my friends, Um, and it's funny looking back because I'm like, I had confidence in every area of my life. I loved school. I loved my friends. I loved trying out new things, Um, and so it's like every setting, but how my body showed up in the world was a positive thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I really still don't understand to this day how it didn't show up in all the other areas as a kid. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm blessed in that way.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful that you're able to keep a perspective. I think there's a real danger when we, when we look at our childhood wounds or, you know, things about our form, our lives that we want to heal from, there's a real danger in kind of painting everything with like this catastrophic brush and to overemphasize things that went wrong. And it's just really important, I think, to focus on positive aspects, um, the positive things. And uh, so I love to hear you kind of round it out with that perspective that everything is, um, that you had such a beautiful childhood in spite of this. And then what was it like, I mean, in terms of like adolescence and you're a teenager, was it more of the same or did things change for you?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I went, um, I went on Weight Watchers, I think for the first time when I was 16, maybe. Um, and actually at the same exact time I got my first boyfriend and he happened to be like still to this day, I hope he never listens to this, but he was a very attractive young man. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I remember many people, like I could probably count a dozen people who were like, how did you get him to date you? And I was just like 15 or 16 year old girl. And I, you know, I'm not going to say any weight numbers, but I definitely weighed, you know, more than the average girl. And this, you know, beautiful young man was totally smitten for me. And I remember just thinking like, yeah, why is he dating you, Kate? so weird. He shouldn't be. Um, and of course from there, even though he was, I don't know how he had these gifts, but he was so body positive with me before body positive was even a word. Like he was like, you're incredible. Like your body's incredible. Everything about you is, and I don't care what you look like, even if you didn't look great. I, 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 love you for who you are. But, um, but despite that my insecurities just grew and grew. And so I went on my first diet, um, after my, after I got pictures taken my junior year, and I was just, I remember sobbing in my room because I thought Mm. I looked so fat in um, my pictures. And so I went on Weight Watchers and I just, you know, lost quickly because I was a young girl, 35 pounds, I think. Um, And yeah. And then I started getting more attention. I got tons of positive attention from so many people. Um, But also I finally felt like I fit in. So that's kind of um, how I rounded out my teen years was finally not being the girl who was maybe like the ugliest in the room, according to me. So,
0: okay. So then you become, so let's just jump over college um, real quick. And then you meet my brother Foss and you guys get married and then you become a mom. So how did becoming a mom play into some of these issues and dieting and thoughts on your body?
1: Yeah. So I would say, first of all, motherhood was just shocking on many levels <laughs> for me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the first time I got pregnant, um, I pretty much liked my pre- pregnancy and i had the complete opposite of like postpartum depression and anxiety i had like postpartum euphoria <laughs> listen to sad songs i was thinking like how can you relate to this song it's so sad let's <laughs> listen to like great happy music singing in the rain um and i lost all the weight i had gained right away and i was exercising again and i thought okay it's finally over like i'm thin I can successfully restrict the food that I eat. I can diet. I was still doing weight watchers. That was kind of my go-to from high school all the way through this time. Um, and of course, as luck would have it, as we tried for baby number two and I went through that pregnancy, I gained, you know, all the weight back. I was bigger for that pregnancy than I was for my first, which is extremely common. Um, and I started to feel really, really bad about myself um, again, thinking like i failed. So with that, that piece of motherhood, like the ups and downs of weight gain within pregnancy was so scary for me that I oftentimes just didn't want to get pregnant. Like I didn't want to grow my family because of the threat that it was to my personal body, um, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I, my first baby was a girl, her name's Josephine. We call her Josie and something in me definitely changed in terms of how I viewed women. Once I had my own daughter and I was very fearful that my own daughter would be as consumed by weight, body image, what she ate as I was. So I think that was definitely like an important piece of the puzzle, but I didn't put it all together at first.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as a I so, you know, I have four daughters and that's been a real origin of my interest in this subject, because if I, if my daughters look and say the things to themselves that I say to myself, sometimes in my head, I would be devastated because I see them as these beautiful children of God who should have a deep sense of peace and security and know how to eat to nourish their bodies and not worry about their body size. And the thought that they would, you know, treat themselves unkindly as I have done. And as so many women do would really devastate me. So, so you have Josie and Josie kind of gets your wheels thinking. Um, and so then you said you, after your second pregnancy was tough because you felt like you gained more weight. What was it like? after you had Augie your second, did you lose the weight the same way that you did with your first?
1: No. And so that was part of the problem, right? The cycle continued. Like I got more and more obsessive about it. I couldn't get the weight off. He was a bigger baby. I was breastfeeding more. Um, All of those things that, I'm sure many mothers, um, can relate to. So I joined Weight Watchers and, oh, I'm so embarrassed to say this, but I also brought my teenage niece who wanted to do Weight Watchers with me to the meetings. Oh, the Mm -hmm. anyway, so I brought her to the meetings and we lost weight and then we kind of gained weight. We went back and forth and then I got pregnant with my third son. Um, and I just want to say like, up until this point, just to kind of illustrate how big of an impact my body size had on me and my thinking, I, I just want to say, and I hope that this resonates with other people, but I measured my success completely, completely on external factors. It was either how little I ate or how much I exercised or what grades or jobs that I had and my body and my weight, whether or not, um, I was bloated from last night's choices or felt like my stomach was skinnier from last night's choices. It like this part of my life dictated so many decisions that I made and how I felt about myself. Like it was just such a big part of my life. And I didn't know, I didn't have any tools when I went into motherhood to even begin to solve this problem. Not even begin. Mm -hmm. I remember my exact weight to the 10th of a pound on my wedding morning. And I also remember thinking, you know, Kate, you missed a real opportunity here to look incredible in your wedding
0: pictures, like Mm.
1: the happiest day of my life. Like that's how much control it had in my life. Um, and I always thought I'd never grow out of it. Like. Once I started gaining weight after my second son, I thought, no, nope, okay, you don't have a handle on it. Here we go again. And I thought maybe one day, like, I'll be like other women who could go to the beach or pool parties without restricting their food, you know, for like a week before they went. Um, and I thought, you know, what is it going to be? What's the one thing it's going to be that stops me from thinking about all this stuff? Um, And so I just wanted to say like all of those thoughts dictated me getting back in Weight Watchers and going back with my niece and encouraging her and getting excited about that. And eventually when I got pregnant with our third son, um, Charlie,
0: (laughs) I started
1: thinking, you know what, I'm going to lie to Weight Watchers. You're not allowed to go to the meetings if you're pregnant and Mm -hmm. I'm just doing this because this really is going to be my third pregnancy. I don't know if you guys are starting to see a pattern here, but it was like every time I thought it was going to be different. Like every time I started a new diet, I was like, no, this is the one.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, This is the time when I'm finally going to get control over food and I'm going to change forever and I'm never going to go back and I'm going to change who I am
1: Right. Um and I had all this history with it and I had prayed many times. I'm a a Catholic and um you know I pray pretty frequently and I would pray to God, please take this burden away from me. Please take
0: this cross mm-hmm. away
1: from me. Like I just felt so bad about myself because of it. And I also thought that if I got a hold of it, all my other problems would go away.
0: Like mm-hmm. I'm
1: a better person, a kinder person and just in general
0: um, so I, I mean, mean, Kate, what's crazy about this. I don't know if other people are going to feel this way, but the story that you're telling right now, the quote before story is like, so similar to my whole life. I mean, the fact that you're telling this, and then I went to Weight Watchers, like, uh, most women, most of us do that. Right. Most of us are in a, a constant, you know, spinning wheel of losing, trying to lose weight. And many of us do. Obsessed about our bodies, and so I, I just want to point out that what you're describing, I think there may be many people who would listen to it and say, "Well, isn't that normal?" Um. So, and it may be normal. It's just you found kind of a different way of looking at the world that's given you more peace, yeah, and happiness.
1: Yeah. So somewhere in there, we have the hand of God during my late night Google search. So never
0: hate (laughs) Google
1: searches um and somehow i i landed upon this um intuitive eating and so pretty quickly because i said i dove right in i um ended up writing weight watchers a very passionate letter about how horrible they were <laughs> so i had a quick change of heart there and um quitting and so i did start gaining weight one of the parts of intuitive eating is giving yourself full permission to eat food which means um, for example one of my favorite foods is reese cups and um, so I had to buy enough Reese cups that we wouldn't run out of them. And I could eat as many as I wanted, um, you know, uh, throughout the day or whatnot, or when I wanted them. And so I did start gaining weight at first, which is very common when you start giving yourself full permission to eat food. Um, and my OB, Oh man, God bless him. He was, he's a great doctor, but, um, he asked me, I think this was at my 12-week appointment, maybe my 15. Um, if I had been craving ice cream a lot. And <laughs> <laughs> I actually had been craving ice cream. I at the at the time I had been craving cotton candy and was like going to random like TJ Maxx's and Marshall's to buy the cotton candy. <laughs> So, I mean, I do like to laugh. So I was like, no, actually it's been cotton candy, blah, blah, blah. And like, you've gained like a little extra weight. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to do this thing. I have a history of dieting and disordered eating. Um, and I actually don't look at my weight. So please don't share it with me, which is something you can tell your doctor, by the way, um, and mm-hmm. you can also refuse to be weighed if you want to be. Um, but he was, oh my gosh, he was so demoralizing in that appointment. <laughs> Like, again, great person, but he obviously has no idea women's experience with dieting and restricted food. And so he, he asked me if I had been exercising and I said, well, actually, yes, um, I've been, you know, still running. And he said, well, running is really only for women who are like very into running, um, after 20 minutes in the pregnancy. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, have you heard of an elliptical? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes sir i have heard of an elliptical <laughs> so anyway i left the appointment that day Wait,
0: of- but didn't he but i think i remember this kate didn't he what didn't he start showing you like arm arm workouts yes he's like oh,
1: you gosh, God, he me arm workouts <laughs> i can't believe that guy walked out of his office alive
0: you know <laughs> so basically he was just trying to tell you like what, what do you think the most charitable interpretation of what he was trying to do was? And why do you think it was harmful to you in that moment?
1: The most charitable interpretation is he knows that there can be dangers from gaining a lot of weight during pregnancy. And <laughs> um, right, what it did for me in that moment, it was a very pivotal moment. And I'll get to that afternoon in a second. But it it was like he was the voice inside my head that had all my fears. Like he was Mm -hmm. saying everything I was the most afraid of. If you gain weight, you'll be unhealthy. If you gain weight, you'll be a failure. You'll be a bad mother. You won't provide for your children the right way. You won't fit in. You'll get in trouble with your doctors, all of that stuff. Um, so I left the appointment. My husband was outside with our two other kids, your brother. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just, so I just broke down sobbing, like sobbing. For me, it was the equivalency of like getting fired from your dream job, you know, like I had mm-hmm. failed that day. Um, I had been corrected for what I was trying to do that felt so good and felt so mm-hmm. right. Um, and that afternoon I went to work and um when I got out to the car. Faustin and my husband had left me this workbook in the, in my seat, in the car. And it was the intuitive eating workbook, which is like a companion to the book. And mm-hmm. he said something inside, like never give up. You're doing the right thing. Um, and I had been waiting to buy it because it was kind of expensive. And so he went out that day to just reinforce to me, like, I am so proud of you for the hard work you've been doing. And so that was kind of the pivotal moment for me. Um, I never went back to that doctor again. I mm-hmm. found a new, baby. I shared with her my history. I had a great, wonderful, healthy pregnancy and delivery. And, um, I haven't looked back.
0: So that's amazing. Um, so then let's linger for a moment on the stage of intuitive eating, where you give yourself license to eat. Why is that so important? And, you know, what, what is the, what is the purpose of that? as relates to like our tendency that we have to kind of always be restricting food.
1: Yeah. So essentially we can restrict food. You could eliminate sugar from your life, for, for example, starting today, and that would be fine. And you would do great. Let's say for the first three days, or if you're really self-disciplined the first week, but eventually your body starts craving some of the foods that you're restricting. And so you'll end up eating them. And because you're restricting them so much, um, you're going to end up actually eating more of them later on after you break down and can no longer restrict. Um, so that's one of the pieces to intuitive eating is saying, Hey, what if we just like stop with the restriction overall, and you just give yourself full permission to eat any food. So like, imagine in your, you know, cabinet where you keep granola bars and cereal, you also have, you know, you name your favorite candies or sugary sweets or barbecue chips, all the things that people are like, stop eating those. And you just keep an abundance of them there all the time. Your body realizes, okay, I can have these whenever I want. It's not an emergency for me to eat as much of them as possible because soon I can't eat them ever again. Again. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, for example, if you have an issue with cake, a lot of people have like birthday cake issues, right? They love the mm-hmm. ice cream cake or something. Um, and you only let yourself eat cake, you know, at a birthday party. And so by the time, you know, your kid has a birthday party, everyone keeps you have like four slices of cake, Um instead of that, maybe you could have like a little mini cake in your fridge all the time and just put it with the rest of your lunch and eat it. And kind of, I call it deescalating our obsession with certain foods being bad and just pairing them with a wide variety of foods and you'll, you feel more satisfied. So this idea of us restricting prevents us from ever feeling satisfied with what we've had. Um, If we have, for example, a smart ones or some kind of microwavable diet meal, um, we might feel a little bit satisfied, but later on we eat four mini Twixes because that just wasn't enough food for us. So a lot of diets recommend that, you know, women eat around 1200 calories a day. And Mm -hmm. a lot of women, at least definitely for me, that's not even close to enough food for me to remain satisfied and not to be obsessive over food. And the other thing is when we restrict um, and sorry, I'm talking so much about this. No, I'm I'm so passionate that like people (laughs) don't feel the way I've felt in my life, but when we restrict, it creates obsessive thoughts about food Mm -hmm head because again, we're not satisfied. So we're constantly thinking like, okay, when am I going to eat? Or when I do get the opportunity to eat, what am I going to choose? And it just becomes this like overwhelming thing in our heads. Um, for example, like vacations used to be stressful for me. Like what's my mother-in-law going to cook and how am I going to resist the gummy bear she put on the counter for my kids? Um, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. like that, um, and my mother-in-law's an
0: incredible cook. So it was very problematic for me. Yep. Yeah, the rolls that my mom makes.
1: So, mm-hmm. uh, so does that make sense? How, um, how I explained it or.
0: Yeah, no, it, that's a great explanation. And it's, um, you know, I, for, I have not, I don't do intuitive eating. I'm kind of getting there, but I haven't, I feel like I'm, I need this like great amount of mental energy to kind of commit to that lifestyle. And so right now I'm kind of coasting, um, just in case any listeners are wondering where me, Cynthia, I'm at in the journey. Um, but the thought of like getting a bag of Reese's and just powering through them fills me with so much terror. (laughs) Like, (laughs) is that what you were doing? Were you just like, I'm just going to eat. Cause you told me one time that you had bought like six bags of Reese's, uh, eggs at (laughs) Easter. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I had to go through all the holiday Reese's.
0: Um, journey.
1: So like the hearts, the eggs, you name it. Um, yeah. So it wasn't that I was powering through them. It's just anytime I was like, you know what, I really want a Reese cup. I would just have one. And a lot of times one would not, especially at the beginning, one would not satisfy me even close. So I think I would have like, I mean, I don't want to trigger anyone, but I probably have like four, you know, um, Mm -hmm. And that would be enough. Or like when we're sitting down to TV, right. That's the time that we're all like, you should like at the end of the day, that's when we're all, most dieters are the most hungry because they've been restricting the whole day. And so Mm -hmm. bodies are saying like, feed me something for quick energy. And so that's when we eat like a lot of our quick energy foods. Um, And that's when I would eat a lot of the Reese's, but um, my husband participated as well. (laughs) (laughs) The bags pretty quickly. Um, And now just to illustrate how different it is, um, the other day I was in the checkout at the store and I no longer have any urge in my body at all to buy a bag of Reese cups. Like I would never do that, but I saw like a king size Reese candy thing at the checkout and I was like, oh, I should buy those. Like that looks really good. I had one cup and Mm -hmm. then I completely forgot about them for three days and they were melted all over my car. Wow. The fact that that happened is so weird to me because (laughs) said two years ago that that would be the case. I would be like, absolutely not impossible. Mm
0: -hmm. And all because you went through the stage where you gave yourself permission to eat whatever you wanted.
1: Yes. And I, And I don't want to undersell intuitive eating. Like it is a very, I don't want to say prescriptive. It can be interpreted in a lot of ways, but the book outlines 10 principles to follow. And you really have to do like a lot of, like you mentioned, Cynthia, like you have to put a lot in. This is a lot about your mental health. My favorite podcast right now is it's not about the food and it talks about all of our issues with food, not really being about food itself. And so I've put in a lot of time and energy into, you know, figuring out what it is that, um, gave food so much power
0: in my life. Right. Right. Um, I want to talk real quickly about breastfeeding because, you know, that's been my cross. So I've been pregnant or breastfeeding for six years or both pregnant and breastfeeding. And my body, when I'm breastfeeding, it just wants to hold on to all the weight. I mean, we, you know, I eat something and my body holds on to it. Cause it says, I just want to have enough body fat to produce milk. And I keep telling my body that there's plenty and it doesn't have to hold on to anything, <laughs> but my body says, I just want to hold on to all this, no matter what you do, Cynthia, no matter if you restrict, no matter if you exercise a bunch. So talk about that, about y- y- breastfeeding, you know, did you feel like your body had different nutritional needs and the way that it stored fat was different when you were breastfeeding versus when you stopped breastfeeding and how did like intuitive eating work and with all that?
1: Yes, it absolutely. Like the amount of food that I could eat in the first six months of breast. I know I, there's no words <laughs> for the amount of food. Like, I would look at normal meals on a plate and be like, what is this? Like, this isn't even a good start. Um, so, first of all, I just want to say, Cynthia, you're my absolute hero for raising these four daughters, for breastfeeding these four daughters, for everything you're giving to them. Um, but, like you said, your body's working really, really hard. And I just think the expectation that we have on women to bounce back is so unrealistic if they're actually breastfeeding their child, like especially full-time, like Georgie, right? She's breastfeeding only, or is she eating?
0: She like literally just this week, we started giving her solids and she's, she's very happy about the solids, but, but basically for eight months, it's just exclusive breastfeeding.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me at that point, like you should never think twice about how much food you're eating. The only thing I would ever advise someone. And again, I'm not a health professional, but the thing I would advise someone is give yourself access to a wide variety of foods and allow yourself to eat large amounts and throw away any expectation ever at all of calorie counting. Like your body is just working so incredibly hard. I mean, even think about like the,
0: the thirst during breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. just drinking water right now, just thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, Endless cups of water with, with
1: ice. And I just, I couldn't get enough of it. So Yeah. I mean, I have no expectations for like, for my own personal journey with breastfeeding, I, there was really no way I could control it. Like I tried really hard, but I will tell you with my first daughter, when I lost all that weight, she was the one I stopped breastfeeding the earliest with. Mm -hmm. And now I have an almost two-year-old son, Charlie, and I'm still breastfeeding him because, I have plenty of energy in my body. Like it doesn't exhaust me. I eat a little bit of extra, probably more than when I stopped breastfeeding him. Um, but it gave me the ability to actually feed my child by eating whatever I needed to. So.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's funny because Josie is, um, has a different body type, your oldest. Yeah. And you know, I, my third has a, a similar body type to Josie, just very slender. She doesn't eat a whole lot. She never really nursed that much slept through the night. And sure enough of all my pregnancies and and she was the one where I gained the least amount of weight. And then I was able to lose weight kind of naturally after um, my third was born and Georgie, my fourth is a real porker. So um, <laughs> she, you know, we're still, you know, we're still cranking out a lot of, a lot of OZs every day.
1: Well, and they um, I- there is a difference between, you know, whatever genetic components, again, not a scientist, not a health person, but there is a difference between having a big baby and having a small baby and what that looks like for your body. But either way, you know, I've heard countless different stories about that. Even small babies and the women are like, I can't lose the weight no matter what. So right, I, I, right. Trying.
0: I love how you said one time you told me that when you're breastfeeding, if you ever like ordered pizza and you didn't have an entire pizza to yourself, that you'd be like, you'd be anxious. (laughs) And then anxiety. Yeah. And then I, and I don't even know if this is appropriate to say, Kate, I mean, you're probably going to get mad at me, but you look so fit and skinny to me. And I know I'm not supposed to say that, but if anybody's wondering if like intuitive eating just led to you becoming this very unhealthy person, like you are very healthy right now. So do you want to get mad at me for saying that or <laughs> yes to admit I'm so at you. You just said so
1: many triggery words. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. sorry. Um yeah. So a little bit about that, it's sometimes misleading to people because I am so passionate about it. They look at my body and um I live in like a normal size body now for sure. But um, it's not a thin body but it's just kind of normal. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. stick you know, to anyone. And, um, that's a privilege, truly, truly a privilege. And I'm aware of that, but, um, I think people get the wrong idea about intuitive eating. Cause they look at me and they're like, oh, well I can do it if I look like this. And part of intuitive eating is like letting go of what size your body is going to be when you do this, like maybe accepting that you might always be a size X or, um, X number of pounds on the scale, um, is really hard. And by the way, I do not weigh myself. I threw away my scale two years ago. I have absolutely no idea what I weigh and I will never weigh myself again.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. So how do you get to the place, Kate, where, cause I, I would, we've talked about what are my hangups about going into intuitive eating. And one of them is really just getting to a place where I feel like I have the time to devote to this, mm-hmm. but one of the other hangups is I don't know if I'm comfortable just saying I, Hey, I'm just going to give up weighing myself and knowing what size I am, because this part of me, there's a part of me that's like, Oh no, I would be happier. And my life would be better if I was, you know, sophomore year of college, Cynthia size. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, how did you convince yourself that that wasn't true? Cause I think I'm pretty much stuck right now in, you would be a lot better off if you were X pounds skinnier. Right. Right.
1: Um, I think that this is like the most personal and intimate part of the intuitive eating journey where you really have to take a look at yourself. I've gone to therapy on and off for different things in my adult life. And I find therapists really helpful, but figuring out like, what is it that you, um, think is really going to change when you lose weight and like really playing that all out and doing some scenarios in your head of like, when I was my skinniest, was I perfectly happy or am I idealizing that time? Did I still have problems? Did I still have insecurities? Did I still, you know, I always, like to laugh because the skinniest I ever was, I thought I looked like absolutely incredible. I think I was 24. It's the only time I've ever been ghosted by a guy that I liked. (laughs) (laughs) How did that happen? What? I was so skinny. Um, so (laughs) kind of like looking, looking at yourself and giving yourself a long, hard look into like, is, is my body shape really the thing that's holding me back from being happy? Um, and it might partly be, but my challenge there is to think should it be the thing that's holding me back from being happy? Um, and this is a spiritual part of the journey, too. Like the, the questions you were asking, I think this is about you tuning into like who God is in your life and what did God want from you? And I will, like, I will say, Catherine, St. Catherine of Siena said something like, I think it was like, be who God meant you to be and you'll set the world on fire. Is that right? Have you heard of that,
0: Cynthia? I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, like, imagine
1: if all the time and worry and angst that you or other women put into their bodies was channeled into the natural gifts God gave you. Like, I consider myself a feminist through and through. And I believe that, like, the diet industry, pornography industry, fast fashion, it's all holding us back from like taking over the world and being such incredible versions of ourselves. And You know, men have lived in privilege about this for a long time, although I do know that eating and diet culture affect men as well. But when men wake up in the morning, their first thought is not what's the size and shape of my body? And is that affecting my happiness? Mm. Um, And so I just encourage us to, you know, maybe take a page from the book of what it's like living in a man's body Um, And again, this is the average man. I don't want to like pigeonhole the entire Mm -hmm. group. Um, But I've learned a lot from watching my husband. I've asked him so many questions like, how does it not matter to you? How do you still think you're worthy and lovable and all these things, whether or not you weigh this or that? And it's just a gift that he's been given because of cultural expectations and societal expectations. Um, And I just hope women can can get
0: there one day. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think holds us back is that our society tends to equate being skinny with virtue and fat equals lazy, skinny equals busy, hardworking, productive. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how we equate body shape with virtuousness?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, well, I just 100% agree with you. I don't know that I have a lot more to offer, but I will say there's this, um, Bible passage. I think it's in Matthew where it's, it says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Um,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's something about, oh yeah. And, and look, still your heavenly father feeds them. Right. So birds aren't acting anxiously to try to like uncover this perfect, way of eating. They just are provided food and search for food in a more natural way. And at the end of it it says something like, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Um and I guess that answer is no. Mm-hmm. And then also I think it goes on to say why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Um, and so that kind of like that Bible passage reminds me true virtue is being able to rest and being able to reflect and find ways to be grateful in the gift that God gave us. So many things are going to take care of themselves. And so those are the people that I'm now more attracted to than ever are those people who have achieved levels of peace and joy in their life um, that I don't quite understand. And those are the people that I try to befriend the people I try to surround myself with, because that virtue to me is more appealing than anyone who has solely mastered the virtue of self-control.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: I think self-control yep. may be something that flows naturally out of remembering that God's going to take care
0: of a lot of this for us. Right. 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 And, and did you find that you discovered in letting yourself be permissive with food that you discovered that you, your body did set limits? You know, I know that's one thing in the intuitive eating, right. Is people like me, for example, when you said, oh, you would sit down with a bag of Reese's and you ate, you would eat four and you'd be satisfied. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I could put back if I let myself, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could really impress you press people with how many, and, and the narrative that I tell myself is that I would never stop that. I would eat a house if I was allowed to.
1: Yeah. So believe it or not, every single person thinks that about themselves,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that was like covered in probably the second podcast I ever listened to. They're like, we know what you're saying to yourself right now. Like you're going to be that mm-hmm. one hero who literally eats every Reese that's ever been created by mankind. Yeah. Uh, but believe me, it, it really, if you do give yourself full permission, like the other day, I went to McDonald's with my mom. This was really funny and she's still pretty in diet culture.
0: Yeah. And
1: I was really hungry. So I ordered a chicken sandwich and a cheeseburger and that was <laughs> so bizarre to her. Like she, she's really sweet. So she like, didn't say anything critical, but I think she was like, Oh my, she did. Say, <laughs> you must be really hungry. But, um, I just knew, like, oh, if I eat the chicken sandwich, then I'm going to keep thinking about other food. And I kind of want a cheeseburger too. And it was just like, my body knew its limit. And I didn't even eat the fries that I ordered as well, large fries. Clearly, (laughs) really hungry. Um, I didn't even eat them because I was like, oh, I'm satisfied. So, yeah, your body does, once it realizes that truly you're not going to go on a diet again and you're not going to restrict food from it again, and it doesn't have to like prepare for some future famine. Your body is going to relax a lot and Mm -hmm. not pressure you so much to eat these foods. They think you're going to take away from it.
0: Right. Right. Kate, One thing I'm really interested to hear you talk about at some point, maybe not today, but as you learn is just that, like the role of stress hormones and lack of sleep, all the conditions of motherhood, if you think about it. Your your cortisol is surging. You're stressed because you're taking care of a new baby. You've got low estrogen because you're, if you're breastfeeding, you've got low estrogen, which means hold on to fat. You've got your, you know, you're not sleeping. And so there are all of these things that are going on that are telling your body for many, the bodies of many women are telling them to hold on to weight. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, to
1: talk about that at some point. And I do think motherhood is kind of like the perfect disaster, you know, that um, especially if you have eating and body image issues, it can really spiral. And so my heart goes out to any woman today who's listening to this, who is suffering from all of those stressors in addition to the stressor of constantly saying, Hey, my body's not right. And I need to fix it. Um, that causes stress on you too. So Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's really hard. And, um, if you ever like Google search intuitive eating, they're actually intuitive eating counselors. I've been to like, um, kind of like, uh, eating disorder therapy, even though I never have had an eating disorder. So people would think that's weird to like go search out an eating disorder therapist, even though they don't have an eating disorder, but those therapists can help you with what is called disordered eating, which is essentially just um, if you've ever been on a lot of diets or are in a binge restrict cycle, um, they can really give you a lot of resources to make you feel like, Hey, I've got this going. um, And I kind of can get my head around it. Um, and that I think would alleviate a lot of the other stressors that you experience in motherhood. And I think motherhood Mm -hmm. can be just so challenging on so many levels. So yeah, I think you make a great point and I could definitely talk about that for an hour. So,
0: (laughs) okay, well, we're going to have you back on for sure. Let's wrap with just kind of two additional topics. You can take whichever one you want first. The first one is the, are these terms body positivity and body trust? What are those and how do those relate to intuitive eating? And the second question is um, what's a brief, like high level overview about how you think we should, as moms think about intuitive eating with our kids. Okay. So
1: (laughs) yeah, body positivity and body trust are two kind of like um, very popular terms right now that are thrown around a lot, but the way I would describe them to you is finding, um, joy in your body, finding ways to be grateful for what your body has given and what your body does, especially as a mother, I feel like, you know, we have an advantage there, um, because our body has literally given life, um, And body trust is that whole idea of trusting that your body is going to set limits for you and your body is going to tell you when it's hungry and when it's full. And we have to start kind of respecting our bodies as, you know, gifts from God that have come pre-programmed with a lot of intuition and a lot of knowledge and that um, our bodies will not
0: betray us if we let go a little bit. Hmm. Um, I you you recommended that I follow the hashtag Body Trust. Yeah. And I've so loved following that hashtag, and I recommend everybody do it because what happens is you just go into your news feed, your feed on Instagram, and you know every once in a while you get a Body Trust post, and it's great. It's great content, and it's also just it's great to see all different size bodies represented. I've read something recently where somebody had said, oh, I was super skeptical when I saw all these companies try to do models in different body shapes. And, you know, they're just, this is just like it, you know, what's the point of this? It's not going to help. And then they started to realize that they were looking at themselves differently because they had seen many different body shapes in a beautiful, positive light. And I've noticed that I'm doing that too, where I'm less critical of myself because I'm regularly seeing women who are tall like me, who are, you know, not super skinny like me. So I recommend that y'all follow the hashtag body trust because it's been great. Yes,
1: yes, for sure. Yeah. I wanted to get back to I think you asked about kids and intuitive yes. or family and how you feed your family. Yeah. So there's a lot of great resources. Maybe we can link one when you post this podcast, um, Cynthia, but Yes. Basically there's a rules and responsibilities regarding the food. And it, it, it lays out basically it's a one page PDF about what control you have when it comes to feeding and eating your child and what control your child should have when it comes to feeding and eating. And essentially the way it works is you control when you give your kids food. So when it's offered. And what is offered to your kids now keep in mind you want to obviously offer your kids a wide variety of foods, we don't talk about foods being good or bad in our house but we do talk about, we want to kind of include all the colors of the earth on our plates so we talk about rainbow plates a lot. And, and we always include dessert on the plate with the carrots or whatever, just to deescalate it. We don't have conversations about like, are we going to earn dessert or can we have dessert? And, um, we could talk about that in maybe another podcast. Cause I'm sure there's yes. lots of questions about that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know Cynthia's husband and I like to, um, we like to argue about that a little bit, but well,
0: it's, let's just say this whole dessert goes with the meal thing is it's very counter to the way that our fa- my family was raised and Grant's family was was does things yeah. and really probably the almost the overwhelming majority i mean food dessert is something you earn if you eat your vegetables or if you do something good and it is the portion size of a dessert is of course regulated right and all of that is kind of counter to this method that you're doing with your kids kate yeah. And I
1: was, of course, raised that way too, you know, with the normal dessert at the end of the meal. Um,
0: right. But anyhow,
1: so that's one of the things is you control when it's offered and what's offered. And then the child controls um, how much they eat of the food and if they eat the food. So, um, you know, if they ask for more quesadilla, you would hopefully potentially, if you had it available, offer them more, even if they had already eaten the serving plate, um, serving size. So I hope that kind of helps, um, but there's a lot of intricacies to that. And there's a lot of people on Instagram and Facebook who offer intuitive eating for kids, um, information. So
0: great. Awesome. Well, I feel like we've only scratched the surface, but I've learned a lot. Every conversation we have, Kate, I get a little closer (laughs) to doing my own deep dive. You're working, you're working on me gradually and I really appreciate it. Um, and I hope one day I can go, go down the journey that you've gone because it's obviously been so positive and I'm so happy that you are pursuing becoming, um, an intuitive eating counselor because you were born to be a counselor and (laughs) you're going to change so many lives.
1: Thank you. Please pray for me that it goes well. I'm really excited about it. So thank you. I will. I will. Thank you so much, Kate. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Bye-bye.